Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Hallelujah. Are the TV team going to be okay if I use this today? Because I forgot to put my microphone on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's okay. Wow. How exciting is, is that? I was just so blessed. Um, to see some of that footage and what the Lord had done. And I just really want to honour um, also Daniel and Janice for the amazing work that they put into that. Could you guys just stand, both of you? Just stand up. We just want to honour you for all the work that you put into that and the amazing you know, apostolic leadership that we saw. Well done, well done. We all just came in and <clears throat> reaped where they have been sowing for many, many, many years. So they so those who sow so in tears shall reap in joy, but also in others reap where where others have sown. And so we we honour you when we don't take for granted the fact that we just um, have had the opportunity to come in on the top of so so much work. So praise the Lord, He is wonderful. Are you happy? <clears throat> I tell you, we've got so much to rejoice about. We get so much to be happy about. There is nothing that the Lord can't do. I know Loretta shared on Friday, she came home from Vietnam. She works in, you work in a pharmacy, don't you? And um, she shared with her boss who had previously been uninterested in hearing about the gospel at all. She shared with her boss about what she'd seen in Vietnam and the miracles. And in the tea break, led him to Jesus. Hallelujah, which is so wonderful, hallelujah. And um, I mean, I came back and I had a couple of, we were able to give um, by the generosity of a, a man from Texas who has been involved in a 15 year project to um, uh, translate uh, the scripture into Vietnamese. The Vietnamese did have a Bible, uh, do have a Bible that was translated something like in 1925 or something that by a Chinese man who was not a believer. <laughs> Um, and it was a translation that most of them couldn't read. It was in a very difficult um, language and, and just had a lot of errors in it. And so the Vietnamese, he, this Texas man, um, Texan man, ran an oil field and he had a lot of Vietnamese workers on the oil field and a pastor, one of the Vietnamese pastors came to him and said, we desperately need a Bible. And so he said, well, what'll it take? about $2 million and 15 years of getting experts together to really pull it together. And 15 years later, they have this beautiful Bible. They just gave us copies to hand out to every single person who came. We would have handed out 10,000 plus copies of the scriptures, hallelujah. <clears throat> and I came home, I had, I had two. I wish I'd brought, I wish I'd brought a whole many more, but I, I just happened to have mine and Tom's that were given to us. And I, I went to go and get my fingernails done. I know that sounds very materialistic, but actually I quite enjoy getting my nails done. Praise the Lord. And um, my little indulgence, but uh, I have a Vietnamese little group of people that do my nails. They run a, a beauty shop. And so I went in with the little video that I had of the Vietnamese outreaches and was showing them to the, you know, the owner and the, 
the different ones and showing them the video and they're all gathering around saying, this is, this, really ha this happened in Hanoi? And then they saw the miracles and their eyes are as big as saucers. And they're so excited. They're all talking about it to each other in Vietnamese and talking to me. And I said, well, actually, I have, I have a Christmas gift for a couple of you. And I gave them the Bibles. Oh, and I wish I'd had 12 because they all, would, they, they took them and they just, they, they just grabbed a hold of them. And I thought, wow, how easy it is. How easy it is to share the gospel when you aren't sharing it with persuasive words of men's wisdom, but with demonstrations of the Spirit's power. And so it was a, a great blessing. If any of the team have any extra Vietnamese Bibles, I could really use them, hallelujah. <clears throat> but um, the harvest is truly ripe. It's riper than we realize. It's easier to see people come to Christ than we realize because He is so good. He's such a good Father. We're celebrating Christmas today, and you know when you read in the book of Luke, and I'll just quickly turn there because it's so beautiful. I was reading it with Tom today and <clears throat> thinking about this and what it would have really been like. I'm a very imaginative person, so I picture myself in the story when I read. And it's the night that Jesus was born in, in Luke. Um, here in, in Luke chapter two, verse eight. And I just wanna also honor our worship team for the beautiful worship tonight. It was so, so lovely. The lyrics of some of those Christmas carols are so theologically profound and fabulous that I just get happy singing them because of the revelation that is, is found in the Word of God. And it, this passage reads like a Christmas carol. While shepherds watch their flocks by night, all seated on the ground. Now, verse eight, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign uh, to you that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Can you imagine on a really dark night what it would be like? I mean, there's no lights, no electric lights. You're out on the hills outside Jerusalem. Well, not Jerusalem, Bethlehem, out in the dark, and suddenly an angel appears standing before you on the ground. The glory of the Lord shines all around you. And he says, don't be afraid. <laughs> I mean, I get excited if I see a shooting star. Like, Whoa, did you see that? Like, hello, <laughs> do you see what? Ah. And then 
a multitude of angels stood with this guy. You know, in the Christmas carols, we get the picture that it was like some faint vision up in heaven. Did you see it? Did you notice? No, the Bible says he stood, a multitude stood with him. Where was he standing? He was standing before them. So Tom and I were having a bit of a debate. Were they in the, in the sky or were they in the earth? I reckon the Bible says it very clearly that they were on the earth. <laughs> far as I'm concerned, Tom, I love you. But he said they could be on the earth and in the sky. I went, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> because he does give his angels charge over us, hallelujah. Angels ascend and descend. We're not separated from the spiritual realm. And God delights to, to let us know, hallelujah, that he has ministering angels. Uh, we don't worship angels. We worship the God who sends them. And uh, we worship our wonderful Savior who sent us, uh, our, our wonderful Father who sent us the Savior, hallelujah. And so... Um, just thinking about what the Lord has done, so blesses my heart. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people and goodwill on earth toward men. The good news of the gospel isn't condemnation, fear and shame, be afraid, be judged, be ashamed, but goodwill, peace, that's reconciliation with God, goodwill to all men, hallelujah. I wanna share a little bit about that tonight, but let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Father, we're so grateful that you sent your son to become a human. Lord, to dwell among us. Lord, who lived without sin and Lord, became sin so we could become righteousness who came to reconcile us. Father, we're so thankful. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hallelujah. So we've come back from Vietnam and the Lord has done marvelous things. Hallelujah. Five, oh, 1,550 was the official result of those that were actually recorded with names and numbers to be followed up as first time decisions for Jesus, hallelujah. And the miracles we saw, the lame walk, the blind see, the mute speak, the deaf hear, hallelujah. I saw all of those things and all people all through the team were all seeing it as well. And it's the goodness of God. And I remember we've just done uh, three Christmas festivals and I remember the first night that we were going there, there'd been so much time and effort put into these festivals. It was a big deal in a communist country. In fact, the last festival we did, they have never had a public gathering of anything like that size of Christians. And, um, and we were so grateful uh, for what the Lord did and for the support that we had. In fact, we had the uh, police there and everything and saying, we're here to protect you on the third night, which was just so wonderful. And, um, but watching and seeing what the Lord had done as I walked in that first night, on the way there, I suddenly started to get very quiet. 
Janice was sitting next to me in the back of the taxi. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine. Just don't talk to me right now. <laughs> because it suddenly start, started to hit me. I felt, I felt the pressure of we've invested so much money in trying to see this come off. We've, we've put, so, so many people have been through so much stress. You know, Daniel and Janice and Tom, and they've borne the, the burden for a whole year of trying to see this come across. And here am I, I'm about to get up. Have I done enough? Have I, I should have been fasting for the last three days. What have I been doing? Why did I eat today? I shouldn't have eaten today. I should have prayed more. I should have done more. Have I done enough? These are the thoughts that started to hit me. Has anyone ever had thoughts like this? I began to think, God, such a big deal. I feel like it's all riding now on me. Oh God, oh God, oh God. I arrived at the door and my brother Andrew there, Andrew, give me a wave. He's so lovely. He was waiting for me at the door. He just took me by the hand. He goes, you're nervous. <laughs> he said, you're all right, you'll be great. No worries, just do what you do. You're great at, you're great at this, God will help you. And I thank you. <laughs> Led me up through the crowds. I appreciated that, Andrew. And, um, but you know, what I, what I realized as I, as I got in there and I settled in, I realized, I remembered what I believed. And that is that God is the God who draws people to himself. God is the one who does miracles. And while I'd known that for so many decades about the truth that it's not by our power, or our godliness that we see things happen, but by the goodness of God, for a moment, I realized inside I was still believing a lie that somehow it was dependent on my level of godliness and my level of performance. So I shared the other night, and I wanna share it again just briefly from the book of Acts here. In Acts chapter three, if you wanna turn in your Bibles with me. It's the story of the lame man at the gate, beautiful. The song that we all sing, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You went walking and leaping and you know it very good. Walking and leaping and praising God in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Oh, you're good. <laughs> well done. And this is, it. this is what happened. As you read in Acts chapter three here, we read about this man who was brought every day to the temple gate, the gate beautiful. And he was begging for arms, couldn't walk, paralyzed legs. And he looks at Peter and John and he's asking them for arms. And it's interesting, Peter looks at him here in verse four, fixing his gaze on him with, with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. 
And then he went walking and leaping and praising God. And reading that now, I, I, I know what this is about. In that the miracle didn't happen while he was sitting on the floor. The miracle happened as they held his head, took his hand and told him to get up. And as he got up, his ankle bones and his legs received strength. We saw that happen. We saw people, I thought it would take hours and a lot of time for paralyzed limbs to regain muscle so that they could walk. As they get up, it reforms. As they get up, they get the strength. It's just so glorious. This is what God does. But then all the people get in awe of what's just happened, amazed at what's just happened. And verse 11, it says, Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them to the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Then the God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of us all. That's such an encouraging passage to me. Peter says, why do you look at me as though by my power or our godliness we've made this man walk? We would probably all agree theologically, of course it's not our power or our godliness that makes miracles happen. I mean, you saw that, um, the testimonies of the people who have just seen the blind eyes open, the deaf hearing, the lame walking. It's not by our power or our godliness, yet I had believed somewhere still a lie that said it really does have something to do with how powerful you are, or it, it has something to do with how godly you actually are, how well you've behaved recently, or how much time you've spent in prayer, or how much effort you've put into seeking God and praying and asking. That's that subtle belief. Now, I'm, I'm not suggesting that prayer and fasting and seeking God is a bad thing. It's something that we do because we delight in Him and we love Him, we enjoy Him. But I, I had somehow emotionally believed that somehow my level of godliness was going to determine the level of anointing and miracles. When I realized that I was believing this lie, the freedom that came was absolutely glorious because I'd known it in my head but when I actually recognized I was believing this as a lie in my heart and let the freedom of the truth wash through that and set me free, it made me confident to be able to minister in season or out of season, whether I had just, it means that if I, if I go to the shop tomorrow morning and there's someone who needs prayer, whether I've had a, a whole lot of time in prayer or not is not 
the factor that's going to determine whether or not the power of God can be released. Hooray. It means the lie of the enemy that says, hey, well, you, you know, you haven't really, you're not really qualified, you're not really, you haven't done enough. It no longer holds any power, hallelujah. And the freedom then that comes to seek him, to worship him, to fast, to pray, is motivated simply by the delight of his company, hallelujah, of knowing him and enjoying him. So as I was praying and asking the Lord, what do you want me to say, what do you want me to say? Because it was a, out of my comfort zone a little to be presenting the gospel to people who had never, many of them never even heard the name of Jesus. I, it's not something that I could get up and preach my latest revelation or give my latest teaching. I'm like, God, through a translator, in a very short space of time, how am I going to tell them about Jesus? And I was listening intently to all the, the testimonies and the preliminaries to see what was covered so that I could know what to cover just in case. And I felt um, to share about the lame man that was let down through the roof. Do you remember the story? These friends had a paralyzed man, a paralytic, and they brought him to Jesus, but when they tried to get into the house where Jesus was ministering, there were too many people inside and outside the house. They could not get through the crowds to Jesus. So undeterred, they decided to climb up on the roof, cut a hole in the roof, and then let him down through the hole by ropes on his mat and plonked him right in front of Jesus. That scenario is becoming a little more realistic to me now, having seen the, the hunger of people once they recognize that God is at work and miracles are happening. It's a desperate, it's a desperate thing and it's glorious to see. But what's really interesting and has always been fascinating to me about that story is when Jesus saw this paralytic on the, on the bed before the man had said a single word, Jesus looked at him and he said, your sins are forgiven. And people got so offended. They're like, who are you to forgive sins? They're thinking this in their head. And so Jesus, knowing what they're thinking, says, you are, you're wondering who I think I am because I'm forgiving sins. So you know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sin. What's easier, for me to forgive sin or tell him to get up and walk? So get up and walk. Pick up your bed and walk. So the guy stands up, picks up his bed and walks. The beautiful thing about that to me is the message that God is not only the miraculous healer, but his heart is that we would be set free from our sin, that we would be reconciled to God. And he offered it before the guy had ever said anything. The guy being let down through the roof wasn't begging, oh Jesus, have mercy on me, forgive me, forgive me for all my sins, I'm a wretched sinner, please forgive me. He wasn't saying any of that. In fact, he hadn't said anything. And Jesus just offered him forgiveness. This is what Jesus does. He offers us forgiveness and he waits for our response. 
You see, it's when we respond that we acknowledge that we have need of forgiveness. It's his goodness and kindness that leads us to repentance. He offers us mercy, he offers us forgiveness before we've done anything to receive it and he leaves it up to us with a desperate hope in his heart that we will respond and say, thank you, Jesus, I need that mercy, I need that forgiveness, I receive it, I take it. He did it again with the woman caught in adultery. If you know the story, she was thrown at his feet and they said, what are you gonna do about this? She deserves to be stoned. Jesus said, well, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And then when they'd all put their stones down and walked away one by one, he looks at her and he says, who condemns you now? She says, no one, Lord. He says, well, neither do I cond condemn you, go and sin no more. And if you read it, she hasn't said, I didn't do it all, I'm terrible, please forgive me. She says nothing, he just offers her forgiveness for free. It doesn't mean that everyone in the world has had their sins forgiven. It means that everyone in the world has had the offer of forgiveness presented to them and God desperately waits for us to say, I want that and I wanna come into a relationship with you. He gave her the choice to receive it and go and sin no more. And this is what he offers us, not just forgiveness of sins, he offers us the power to go and sin no more. He offers us the power to become new people, different people, new creations. I love going and hearing Handel's Messiah. Anybody ever heard a live performance of Handel's Messiah? But the, the theology is just straight scripture. It's so wonderful. And as you, as you read it, you realize, wow. He came to make the crooked places straight and the rough places smooth. Have you heard that? It's in the Bible. And when I think about that, I realize, wow. Jesus not only came to take away my sin, he was wounded for my transgressions, that's my sin. He was bruised for my iniquity. It's a different word in the Hebrew. Iniquity actually means crookedness. Jesus came not only to take away my sin as though it had never existed, as far as the east is from the west and the east never meets the west, hallelujah. Not only does he take my sin away, he came to make the crooked places in me straight. Everything about me that was crooked, everything about me that was rough and ungodly, his sacrifice took away from me. I still have the freedom to mess up and to sin if I want to, but praise the Lord, his kindness is greater I can come to him for mercy and grace and he is there. His mercies are new every morning, hallelujah. But the good news of the gospel is that his blood is better than the blood of bulls and goats that was sacrificed every year in the Jewish system that only sort of atoned for sin uh, and covered it. He actually takes it away and gives us a new heart. Jesus Christ came into the world as a baby, as a man, 
to experience what life in human flesh was like, experiencing all the same temptations we experienced. And then having never sinned, been tempted in all the same ways as us, yet without sin, he endured the cross. He became sin, took on the weight of the sin of the world. The lamb who takes away the sin of the world. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. And the Bible says it was for the joy set before him that he endured all of that. The joy that was set before him was that you and I could be in relationship. And I tell you, that relationship that we have with him is so much more wonderful than any gift we could ever think of. The angels rejoicing on the night of his birth, they were celebrating the greatest love story there has ever been. It was God delighting to humble himself and be obedient unto death so that you and he could be joined together. Light can have no fellowship with darkness. God is perfectly holy and pure. We can't be joined to God without holiness. And no one can achieve holiness in their own strength. So Jesus, he became sin so that by faith, through his, by grace, through his great goodness, we could have faith in what is done and receive the gift of righteousness that would qualify us to be in union with him, to come into unbroken fellowship with God. It means that in the morning, in the evening, when I sleep, when I wake, he is closer to me than any person could ever possibly be. This one who understands me better than anyone else ever could, this one who satisfies my deepest needs and my greatest longings, this one who is able to interpret my tears, this one who is consistently, forever, always kind, patient, loving, and happy to see me. This is the privilege that we have because of the gift of Jesus Christ. We have the privilege of having friendship with God it's not just a little addition, but is my life source. He's the one that makes my heart smile. He's the one that satisfies my soul every day, hallelujah. He's the one that gives me power and desire to walk in holiness, hallelujah. He's the one who when I'm weak is strong. He's the one who doesn't judge me when I sin, but offers me strength and mercy and forgiveness. Says, forgiven, I don't even remember it anymore. You're beautiful, you're holy, you're righteous. This one who is greater than my feelings. The Bible says that even if our heart condemns us, he's greater than our hearts. Hallelujah. His kindness is so extreme and so extravagant that on the night before he was betrayed, knowing that the people around the table, every one of them bar one, was going to betray him that night, 
decided then to cut covenant with them and go deeper in relationship with them, to, to demonstrate to them and speak to them and declare to them his desire to um, be faithful to them, to love them in an even deeper way. That's my Jesus. That's what he's like. Knowing what I'm going to do, he comes and deliberately lavishes love on me. And his goodness and his kindness causes our hearts to melt. His, his example, his daily walk with us empowers us to reflect this one that we see and that we know. Understanding this, we then are able to move in the power of God, freely giving what we freely receive, knowing that the relationship we have, hallelujah, is our privilege and our joy. And that which we do in His name, that which we're able to release in His name is simply us being able to give what we've freely given, that we've had no part in earning, hallelujah. God is so faithful. But you know, the desire of the Father is that every one of us would respond to the mercy of God. The gift of Jesus celebrated around the world, the birth of Jesus Christ, is our opportunity to remember and to share with everyone we know that God loved us so much that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, that we would be set free from sin and death. You know, this life is just a short little life. The Bible says it's like a breath compared to all eternity. And eternity's real. And God wants us to spend it with him, hallelujah. Not only does he want us to have eternity with him in heaven, but he wants to have heaven with us on a daily basis where we experience that place of being free from guilt and shame and condemnation, where we can have fellowship with God himself, to dwell in his presence where there's fullness of joy right now, no matter what the circumstances look like, to experience peace that passes human understanding. It's the desire of God that you would have fellowship with him, but we must choose to receive him as the savior. You know, the Bible says that even the devil believes in God, but that doesn't mean that he's saved or born again. Doesn't mean that he's gonna spend eternity in heaven. It's one thing to acknowledge this, I believe God exists. I even believe that Jesus was the Son of God. I believe what the scripture is actually saying is that those who would acknowledge you are the Savior and you are my Savior, I need you and I receive you as my Savior. Those who would receive Christ, they will become sons of God. When you say, Jesus, I believe, you are the Son of God, and that you came to pay the price for my sin. I need that, I receive it. Like the woman caught in adultery, like the lame man on the mat, I receive your gift of forgiveness. I receive your gift of eternal life. I receive your gift of a new heart. I receive your invitation into family. 
When you do that, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You know, I believe that the Father is longing for every one of us to come to that place where we say, yes, Lord, I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I don't wanna just acknowledge his existence. I don't wanna just talk about it. I want to respond with my heart and say, Lord, I thank you for your mercy. Come into my life, make me new on the inside. I, will, I receive the gift of grace. I receive the gift of forgiveness. Come and make me new, fill me with your spirit. And I thank you that your suffering, your sacrifice, your blood qualifies me to join you as your body, to be joined as one with you, to be saved, to be forever changed to be reconciled to God, to have true peace that's not afraid of the future, true peace that's not afraid that I'm not good enough or not measuring up, true peace to know by the grace of God, I'm a new creation. Today, I wanna pray for you. If you're here and you know in your heart, you wanna make that choice, that decision Christmas is a wonderful time of giving. But you know, the very best gift you could ever give is to give back to the one who gave you everything. That is to give him your life. To say, God, here's my life. I give it to you as a gift. I give it to you as a gift and I receive in exchange. Jesus is the author of the gift exchange. That's why we exchange gifts, you know. I come and I bring my gift. It's my life that you gave me in the first place. I give you my crookedness, my pain, my shame, my sin, my past. I give it to you and I receive in exchange your life, your gift of forgiveness, your gift of mercy, your gift of a new heart your gift of family, your gift of eternal life. If you're here tonight and you say, I want that, I want to make that choice. You know, the Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. That is, if you won't be ashamed of me, I won't be ashamed of you. It, you see, it's a marriage. The Bible says that marriage is just a faint picture of Christ and his bride. It's us actually making a deliberate choice to be joined to him. And we simply do it by humbling ourselves and receive what, receiving what we can have no part in earning. If that's you tonight and you say, yes, I wanna, I wanna engage in that divine exchange. I wanna acknowledge Jesus as my Lord. I wanna receive him into my heart today. And today, I want today to be the beginning of a new day of walking in fellowship with God as one set free from sin and self, set free from the fear and, and walking in a supernatural peace of knowing Christ as my Savior. If you're here and you, you wanna make that deliberate choice and or or if you are, if you know you've been away from God and you want to give your recommit your life to the Lord, I want to pray for you tonight. 
If you just wave your hand at me and say, yeah, I just want to right now publicly acknowledge and say, I want, I want to respond to the mercy of Christ. I want to receive the gift of salvation. Would you just wave your hand at me? I'd love to pray with you. Is anyone here today that says, yes, that's me? I see you. That's so wonderful. Is there anybody else that says, yes, that's me? I'd love to pray with you. It's such a powerful, powerful thing to do. Is anyone else here that says, yeah? I want tonight to be the night that everything changes, that I make that public decision to say yes to Jesus. Yes, I see your hand, that's so beautiful. Anybody else, I'll tell you what, it's the most wonderful thing. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one, over one, over one sinner that repents. You know, everybody has sinned, everybody, nobody has been able to live up to the holiness and the standard of God. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and he offers mercy to every one of us and he changes us into saints by his great glory. So we must all receive the grace of God in order to be saved. Is there anyone else that says, yeah, that's me. I wanna give my life to Christ today. Today is the beginning of a new day for me. I wanna make a public declaration I want to have him as my Lord and my Savior. Is anyone else? Let me see your hand. Hallelujah. It's so beautiful. Well, can I have those two? This is my cousin Heather too. Come on up. I want to pray with you. Can you do that? Come on, Andrew, you bring her. <laughs> come on up. This is beautiful. Someone come with her. Someone come with her. That's lovely. Yay. That's so awesome. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.